Well, if you would, take your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, and one of the reasons that I read that verse in Proverbs 29, 18 is because of that we need vision for life. You know, I, I remember I heard a pastor speak one time, and he said his wife stopped him, his church uh, he's, you know, whenever you're in ministry, sometimes you just turn into a workaholic because you're doing everything for ministry. And that's what he was doing. And he came home one night and his wife said, honey, you have a vision for the youth group at your church. You have a vision for the children's ministry. You have a vision for all these different departments in your church. You have a vision for the church as a whole. She said, what's your vision for our family? That's a fair question. <laughs> and uh, he said, I honestly looked at her and went, I've never been asked that before. And that, that marked me when I heard, that it, I remember the pastor, it was Pastor Kirby John Caldwell, and we were in Texas, and we'd been married maybe about 10 years. And, and when he said that, it impacted my heart. And I thought, you know, I want to have a vision for my family because I don't want my family to perish. I want to have a vision for my relationship with my wife because that doesn't need to perish. Well, how many of you know we need to have a vision beyond salvation? Salvation is a wonderful experience. It's amazing when people give their lives to the Lord, exactly what Zach talked about happens. That weight comes off of their shoulders. And you see the, I mean, you see the expression in their face whenever you watch somebody truly experience God and encounter God and get saved for the first time. But then here seems to be what happens sometimes is that people get saved and suddenly they're living light and they're living for him and they're excited about their life until they fall into sin. So they get tempted, and then they sin, they trip on sin. And if a person doesn't come to a place where they change addresses, when, where they move out of Romans chapter 7 and they move into Romans chapter 8, change addresses, then what can happen is that they can get caught in an endless cycle of repeated sin. Sin, repent. Sin, repent. Sin, repent. And so you wind up coming back to the altar over and over and over. And then, you know, you read verses in Leviticus that say, be holy as, as I am holy, and that doesn't encourage you. <laughs> then you feel even more discouraged and even into condemnation where to, the, to the point where some people walk away from Jesus because they feel like, I can't be a hypocrite. I can't do this. And the problem is, is because they're doing it in their own willpower and they're not doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. And so I want God this morning to break some chains of repetitive sin, repeated sin over and over. How about you? Because that happened in my life. I didn't get free from addiction because somebody laid their hands on me and prayed for me and I suddenly was set free from that. I found out who I was in Christ. I mo literally moved from Romans 7 the old sinner saved by grace, because you're not an old sinner saved by grace anymore in here. You know what you were? You were an old sinner, but now you've been saved by grace. And it's the grace of God. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace that empowers you to live the way Jesus said that you could live. All right. Don't let Gary be the only one that gets excited about my message today. I'm telling you, because I'm coming for you. Coming for all of you. Amen, Gary? So here's what I want to say is, this is important to understand. We all fail. Every one of us fail. 
All right, in fact, in Psalm 51, it says that I was born into sin. My mother birthed me into sin. You were birthed into sin, thanks to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. And then what happened? The sinful nature came into the world. And so all of us, it's been passed down from parent to child, to parent to child, to parent to child, right? And so here's the important thing to realize is that failure is only bad if you don't learn from it. Okay, I will. Failure, because you asked. Failure is only bad if you don't learn anything from it. Amen? So, because let me ask you a question. Why did you go to school? Thank you. To learn. It's the way that we learn is that we make mistakes and we fail. I, I, did, a, uh, I did an essay several, several weeks back, and my first essay that I did, I didn't really know how to cite very well, and so I didn't understand the rules, and, but I had to get it done, and it had to be turned in by midnight, and it was like 11.30, so I'm getting nervous, and so, so I did the best job that I could do, and I turned my assignment in, the teacher said, great job, go back over your rules for citing, and so I didn't get the grade that I wanted, and I felt deflated. I felt like I failed in my first assignment. And then it dawned on me, remember the old V8? It dawned on me, I'm here in school to learn. Okay, the only one. Okay, good, good, all right, yeah, that's, that's registering, okay. So because if you go to school and you just, you expect to get perfect grades, what happens is when you get that first grade that wasn't a perfect grade, then now you have the opportunity to feel like a failure, and you're not. Amen? Because Jesus said that, Jesus did not say that when you get saved, you'll never mess up, you'll never make a mistake, and you'll never fail in life. Welcome to salvation. You're perfect now. No, the truth is we're not. Nobody is. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? Edison, come on. He didn't, he, he didn't discover a, a thousand ways to fail at making a light bulb. He discovered the one way to make a light bulb bulb that makes it work. Amen? A little national treasure there. Okay, so no, I'm, that's actual history. So, <clears throat> All right, sorry. We took our kids to Philadelphia the first time, and all they could do was, all they could say, because that movie had come out, it was popular at that time that we went, and they just kept looking at everything going, that's where Nicholas Cage was digging out, and I was like, guys, George Washington stood right here. You know, and they're like, yeah, whatever, George Washington. Okay, sorry. But then we went back, and, they, and the next time that did not happen, they had great respect for all this stuff. All right, so <clears throat> I wanted to clear that. All right, so according to the Dictionary of Bible Themes, Holy Spirit, and Sanctification, this is how they define sanctification. The work of the Holy Spirit enabling believers to lead holy lives. Who is it that enables you to lead a holy life? The Holy Spirit. This is an open book test. So I'm going to ask that question again. Who is it that enables you to live a holy life? Good job. You guys are A students. This is amazing. And then he goes on to say, dedicated to the service of God and conformed to his likeness. So sanctification <clears throat> doesn't have to be a long process. It doesn't have to be a long process. I'm telling you, God has the chisel in his hand and he's not missing it with the hammer. Have you ever seen, I saw that bumper sticker, be patient with me because God's not finished with me yet? Oh, that's just an excuse to stay where you are. Let sanctification come. Let the chisel and the hammer 
break off of you the things that God wants to break off of you. And I feel like he's breaking it off this morning. So you, have you found Matthew 3 yet? I've given you plenty of time. Matthew 3. All right, it's the first book of the New Testament, just in case. You're wondering. I'm going to look at verse 11. This is John the Baptist. Listen to what John the Baptist said. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And all the Pentecostals said, fire. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so let me, let me tell you again out of the same reference I used before, the Dictionary Bible themes, what this fire means. Fire implies that the Holy Spirit is working a work of purification and judgment. Now how do you feel about the word fire? Purification. Judgment. All right. So, you know, it says in 1 Corinthians 3 that all of our works, at the end of the age, all of our works are going to be tested by fire. Fire is another one of the words used for the Holy Spirit. And so I was listening. Did we get that video, by the way? Yes. Okay, okay, hold on a second before you play it. Do you have it? Oh, good. Okay. Well, was that a kind of yes or maybe? Okay, thumbs up. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. I, it's hard to see from my... Um, so, John, John Bevere has such a great way that he explains purification. And so, I went back in the Messenger X app, and I was trying to find, you know, this place where he says this. And, and it just so happened, I was scrolling Instagram one day, and it popped up, and he was saying exactly what I wanted to say to you. So, I'm going to play that, but before we play it, I just want to make sure that you understand a little disclaimer here. It's not going to be on the podcast because I didn't call John and ask for permission to show the video, but I feel okay showing it to you guys because you guys are here. So, if you're listening to this podcast and you weren't here, sorry. Um, so, go ahead and play the video. I started going through trials like I had never faced before. I said, God, where, where's all this anger and bitterness coming from I, I wasn't even this angry and this bitter before I got saved what, what, what do I bind what do I cast out and that's when the Holy Spirit said to me he said son you don't cast out flesh you crucify it so then I remember I, I had this 14 karat gold wedding ring on he says son your, your ring look at your ring he said does it look like pure gold I said yeah it looks like pure gold now you gotta understand 14 karat means 14 parts out of 24 parts is gold, 10 parts out of 24 parts is impurities. He says, does it look like pure gold? I said, yeah, it looks like pure gold. He said, what happens if you put it in a furnace and heat it up a couple thousand degrees? I said, well, it liquefies. He said, then what happens? I said, well, the impurities, which are the lighter metals, because gold's heavier, I said, come to the surface. He said, they appear, right? I said, yeah, they appear. He said, they were in there the whole time, weren't they? I said, yeah. He said, but you didn't see them, did you? No. He said, you didn't see them until until it went to the furnace. He said, all this anger and bitterness, it's always been in there, invisible to you, but visible to me. He said, now I have permitted you to come into the furnace of affliction so you could see these things. He said, now what you do with them will determine your future. You can keep blaming your pastor, your wife, your friends, and it'll all go right back down and we got to start this process all over. He said, or you can own it. And if you own it and you repent of it, I'll take my ladle and skim it right out of, out of your life. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, how many of you have heard people say this? Whatever you do, don't pray and ask God for patience. Because then you'll be tested. Suddenly all these tests will come to test your patience. Yeah, hello. It's called practice. 
It's called practice. God is giving you an opportunity to practice. If you, this is why hermits are never nice people. They have nobody to practice patience on. They have no reason to walk in love. I just want to hibernate out. I just want to get a little cabin in the corner of, yeah, so that you can be self-centered all day long. Because doesn't, okay, isn't there a scripture that says, let, let patience have its perfect work? How does it have a perfect work unless you are having opportunities to overcome impatience? You're driving down the street, and it seems like every person you get behind is a slow person. That may be more for you. That's a good word, Pastor Phil. I'll just let that sit right there. Because, you know, when I was growing up, people, the saying used to be, practice makes perfect. Then somebody finally figured out that that wasn't 100% correct and realized that, no, perfect practice is what makes perfect. Because if I want to become a good three-point basketball shooter and I just shoot 23 shots until I finally make one, when I make it, I can just take my ball and go home. I practiced. But you're not going to depend on me to make the game-winning shot from three-point range, are you? No, why? Because I haven't perfectly practiced it. Perfect practice. Luke 17, the same thing happened with uh, the disciples. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. It, uh, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must, not you shall, not hopefully, not maybe you should, but you must forgive them. And then the apostles said with an exclamation point, increase our faith, please. And then Jesus laid his hands on them and suddenly their faith was increased. Uh-uh. No. No. See, I, I think sometimes, many times, people want to come to the altar and want to be prayed for because they, they don't want to take responsibility like John was talking about to let the fire of the Holy Spirit refine them. They want it prayed off of them. I want to be delivered from it. Okay, I'm sorry. Use that word. I mean, I only mean that in the context of what I'm saying. Okay? Yeah, because it's easier. It's easier than walking it out. John gave a good word in walking it out in faith. It's a walk. It's a day in, day out, consistent walk. It's the perfect practice. It's letting patience have its perfect work. Amen? All right. <clears throat> so, John said, don't, you don't cast out flesh. You crucify it. Amen? So, how can a Christian walk away from God, from a holy God? If they don't understand who Christ is and who they are in Christ, then the devil can talk them out of their Christianity the same way that he talked Eve out of hers. Think about this. Who was the devil? Lucifer. Let's, let's look at him for a second. In Ezekiel, it talks about Lucifer. Lucifer was called the light holder. He had access to the throne of God. He walked next, he walked among the fiery stones in front of the throne of God. He was the most powerful being that God had created. He was the only angel with two offices. He was a cherub who covered and he was an archangel. And the Bible says that he was the most beautiful angel out of all the other angels. In fact, he must have been told 
about his beauty quite often because he swelled up with pride. Now think about this. Think about this. He was able to convince a third of the angels not to follow him as much as to begin to doubt that what God said to them was true. Think about this. He convinced the father and mother of all creation, Adam and Eve, that God was lying to them. Did God really say? You know what it is? God doesn't want you to do that tree because he knows the day that you do, you're going to be like him. You'll know good and evil. You'll be as smart as he is. He's holding that back from you. Isn't that what the devil does? He, he creates doubt. He brings doubt into our life. Now listen to what Benny Head said. This is such a powerful statement. He said, the devil, his weapon is a question. And you better have the answer. The devil's weapon is a question. You better have the answer. Did God really say? If you're the son of man. Hmm. Wow. So if Satan is, is powerful enough using questions to convince a third of the angels and Adam and Eve, what chance do I have? Greater is he who is in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. He's referring to Satan. Satan was actually here before Adam and Eve were. Okay. You can find that in Ezekiel. You have to go back. So I'm going to ask Ella to help me here because we're going to read some scriptures. If you would turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you've got it in the uh, New King James, that would be the best. If you're, able to do, if you're able to do it on your phone. I'll give you, I'll give you some time here because I'm going to read another scripture. I'm going to read to you out of Romans 6 first. 6 verse 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey its lusts. So notice, you remember when Cain, <clears throat> Cain got mad at his brother because his brother brought an offering. Interesting, they had offerings all the way back here. Brought an offering to God. Because some, some people think it passed away, and it was long before the covenant ever, <laughs> ever came into play. But here he brings this offering, and, and Cain brings an offering to God accepts Abel's, but he doesn't accept Cain. Well, Cain then gets offended at Abel. And remember God told Cain, he said, he said why has your countenance changed? Why are you upset? He said, if you do right, won't you be accepted? He said, sin is lurking at your door, but you need, say it again, James. You need, you should master it. Yeah, that's what he said. So where's the responsibility? The responsibility is on Cain, is on us. He said, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's my responsibility that you should obey its less. Okay, did you find Romans 8, 1? Okay. All right, Miss Ella. I'm going to have you read uh, verse 1 through verse 4, and then I'll pick it up from there. All right. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, but God God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay, so that last verse that she read in verse four, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. Listen to what it says out of the Passion Translation. It says, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living in us. (laughs) And we are free to live not according to the flesh, so it's not okay to sin and think that you're gonna get away with it, or I'll just 1 John 1, 9 it, No, you're not supposed to be living that way because God's got a higher way for you to live, but it's through the power of the anointed one, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And so we are free to live, not according to the flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it yourself. If you could do it yourself, you'd be saved already. You wouldn't need the blood of Jesus to be saved. This is not about you. This is about you and I yielding to him. What does yielding look like? I sat down, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. And normally by Sunday afternoon, I'm pretty well spent. I've put in (laughs) plenty of time. And and so I'm, so I sit down. I like to watch old cowboy movies, you know, because they're relatively harmless. You know, you might have one, two, three people die at most, you know, in a movie. And uh, it's all about being a quick shot, and there's always a sheriff, and good guy wins. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the hallmark of, for guys, I guess, uh, for me. I don't know. But anyway, and so I'm sitting down to watch this movie. It's a Sunday afternoon, and the Holy Spirit, because I've prayed and I've asked that I would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that I would hear his voice at the right times, and so that I could obey him. So here I sit down and I flip open my iPad and I got my little, you know, I headphones in. And the Holy Spirit says, don't watch, don't watch a movie right now. Could you talk to me for a little bit? So I prayed and asked for that sensitivity. So what, if I ignore that, that's not, that's not good because I want his voice to stay louder in my life. Here's what happens when you're not living for him. When you're living in known sin, you know you are, the voice of the flesh becomes a lot louder. But as you surrender and you submit to him, his voice gets increasingly louder and louder and louder until it takes over. Even though it's a still small voice, you'll hear it over anything else because of your sensitivity to him. And because you're living, because you're yielding to what the voice is saying. The first voice that I yield to is in the Bible, Scripture. I look for things in the Bible that I can do, that I can obey, because I want to express my love for Him. Because think about this. You, we're not there yet, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead. Is it in the next? Because I don't want to jump ahead if that's what we're going into. I don't. We better read. Okay, let's read next and I'll come back to that. 
Let's read, uh, let's read verse 5. Um, read verse 5 and then jump to 8 and 9, if you would. Thanks, Ella. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Those who are in the flesh cannot what? Please God. If you're living according to the flesh, it's not pleasing to God. Okay, next verse, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed now, or if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So let me read verse 9 out of the Passion Translation. But when, excuse me, the spirit of Christ empowers your life. Did you hear that? It's Holy Spirit. When the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. That's what I was talking about is that sensitivity. You, you become more motivated by what he's telling you than what your flesh is telling you. Why? Because your flesh is being crucified. Whenever you choose to obey the spirit over the flesh, your flesh is being crucified. Whenever that person gives you an opportunity to get impatient, but you choose to remain patient, you're crucifying the flesh. It's not about following rules. It's about, I love him more and I want to honor him and I want to please him and I owe him a debt. That's why I didn't want to go to, but I got to go there. See, you don't owe the flesh anything. You're not a debtor to the flesh. And I know scripture says to owe no man anything but to love him. That's talking about man, what you owe man. The debt that we owe man is to love him and woman to love them, right? <clears throat> but you do, we do owe a debt to God. We owe God everything. Out of his mercy and out of his love, he came and saved us. We, we didn't deserve that. I mean, you read all the way down. I was reading today, and I've been in Nehemiah, and the end of Nehemiah talks about that now they've come back from the Babylonian exile. And so now they're back and they've rebuilt the wall and they're rebuilding the city and they break out the book of Moses' law and they begin to read the book of Moses' law and their hearts begin to get convicted. They give up their, their uh, foreign wives that they weren't supposed to marry in the first place. Some of them even had kids and they send their wives and their kids <laughs> away and they're purifying. They're allowing God to purify the city. This is what happens when you and I allow God to purify us. See, some of, sometimes purification involves cutting off some relationships with people that are a negative influence on your life. And many times we don't ask the Holy Spirit because we don't want to know. I've learned a valuable lesson about, about that. So, verse, uh, verse 10. Go ahead, Miss Ella. And uh, read through uh, 11 and 12. 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right. So there it confirms you don't owe the flesh anything. You owe God. We're debtors to God. Amen? So, so she said in verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. There's a big warning. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. How does that happen? By the Spirit, you. By the Spirit, I. We put to, get, put to death the deeds of the body. This is something that we do. It's a consistent, it's a daily opportunity to put things to death. It's not just a one and done. It's not just a, oh, you know, I prayed, I went to the altar, I prayed, and now magically I, I don't have any more temptation. It doesn't work that way. No, you're going to be tempted. And, and the enemy is, a, like, like we talked about, he's been, think about it, he's been on the earth 6,000 years practicing on people. You're not his first rodeo. He has learned how to manipulate, how to connive, how to uh, take advantage of, you know. And so we have no business facing him. We need the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes when you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me some things that need cleaned up in my life? I want my life to be pleasing in your sight. You're giving him a wide open door. You're yielding to the point that he's able to speak into your life and show you things that need cleaned up. And it may be something as simple as, you know, the way you talk to your relative on the phone, that wasn't good. You need to go back and apologize to them. I can't tell you the times I've come up here and been about ready to preach and the Holy Spirit has put somebody on my heart that I needed to apologize to. I feel like I'm saying sorry a lot. Honestly, I mean, I just do. And not that I do a lot of wrong things. I'm just saying it's just God puts things in my heart and convicts me. And I want to, I want to have a pure heart before him. I don't, we don't need any mixture in our life. Have you ever had that authentic, oh, where's Daniel? Dan, did he literally just walk out? Oh, man, I was about ready to talk about steaks. His, when he comes back in, would you tell, he, oh, my word. He gave, it, it was at the, you want to paraphrase it? Okay, will not you? Because you know the story better than I do. Check, yeah, he had talked about um, how you guys have gone to Texas de Brazil the other day. I've always wanted to go there, haven't been there yet. But he talked about growing up eating steaks. And, you know, steak in and of itself is really good especially if you eat it from a certain place, there's a certain standard, you know what to expect, and it hits that spot for you. And then he talked about how they went to Texas Day Brazil, and if any of you guys have been there, you go and you go to the table, and they give you a card. One side is green, the other side is red. And as long as the side of the card, here he is, Daniel, come here. Come here. You didn't see this coming, but come here. We're talking about Hey, we, we were talking about what you shared at Levite night uh, with the steak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, man. Pro- prophesy. <laughs> so like how, how when you guys were at your table and then you had the red card and the, and the green card, 
but you've had your experience with steak up to that point was it was good. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you guys caught me off of guard right here. So I was just saying that uh, uh, Liv and I that uh, I love steak. I don't know how many of you guys love steak, but I love steak. It's not good, right? But I love it. But anyway, um, I used to go to many places, Texas Roadhouse, any any steak place. It was it was really good. I liked it. But this one time, I decided to take my wife and my kids to Texas, uh, Texas de Brazil. I don't know if you have been there before. But um, I heard that it was super good. But in my mind, it was like, it's just going to be another good steak place. Um, so I just went in there. And I was telling the guy that the minute that we walked in there, it was like a different experience. It, they, they make you feel like you're like a millionaire. Like they, No, for real. Whenever you go in there, you're going to be like, Okay, Daniel told me this. Um, and we walked in there, and it was like a good atmosphere. So you have to get your salad, so we get the salad. And then uh, they were like, whenever you guys are ready, we're going to give you like a little card that is, has a green side and a red side. Uh, it's going to be red, but at, whenever you're ready to start eating, just flip a green, and then people are going to start bringing some meat. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So we all have our, our uh, salad. And then we flip it to the green side, and then like non-stopping, people start bringing meat, meat, meat. Like some of you guys, are like, oh, yeah, sounds good, right? So I was like, this is really good. But the thing is that uh, the first piece of steak that they brought, I was like, ah, it's gonna be just another steak. When I when I tasted it, me as a steak guy, I was like, what is this? This is heaven. This is so good. Um, and they keep on bringing steak and steak. The thing is that. After that, we went to, later on, we decided to go to a different place. It was another steakhouse, a place that I just, it used to be good for me. It was like, it used to be like something that I liked, but I told my wife, I was like, this steak doesn't taste good no more. I don't, it's, it's something going on, I just, I just, I just to liked it. And now I'm like, man, this is, this is not good. But it's not that it wasn't good, it was just what I knew. But then when I got started going to a place that was really good, the old steak is not good no more. And it will happen to you guys. And I was just saying this that because uh, when we started coming to this church, we realized that this is a different type of steak. It's, it's better. It's good. And then when you go back to the other steak, it's not that the other steak is not good. I guess it's a different level of steak. You know what I mean? I don't know how. Wow. Yeah, that's so good, man. Rebecca, come help me, would you? So Romans 13, look at verse 14. Romans 13, verse 14, it says, and here's where, here's where we get help. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. The big key in this verse is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be free from alcoholism, you don't hang out at the pub. And here's here's one of the titles of the Holy Spirit from last week uh, in the Amplified was that that title, Standby. 
It's such an interesting title for the Holy Spirit because there's so many different names. I mean, counselor, <laughs> encourager, helper, all these different titles. But that word standby because there I'm right next to him. And there I have in him is, is he's 100% Lord. God, the Holy Spirit, is with me. It's no longer God above me. It's no longer God with me, Jesus. Now it's God in me. My body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit, so I have him right there. I have the ability to ask him, bounce things off of him. This is that a part of that communion with the Holy Spirit. Pray without ceasing is living in a constant reminder of his presence being with me. And I'm able to ask him and he can save me heartache down the road. <clears throat> Candy John. When uh, long, long before I was married, long, I just want to express that. Um, there was this girl that a friend of mine was trying to hook me up with and to date. Okay, I mean connect with. And um, we were in a pizza place and I remember I was sitting across from her and began to talk and the Holy Spirit said, don't go out with her. Plain as day. I ignored him. That was two of the worst years of my life. As a result, because I didn't heed, I didn't yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> When we broke up, thank God, um, I began to just bawl. Not because she broke up with me, which she did. The Lord told me to do it. I said, I'm not going to. And so he had to get her to break up with me. So he set her up with like one of my good friends. She started going out with him. And... Uh, <clears throat> But I began to bawl, I began to mourn because I had hurt the heart of God. I wasn't mourning for her, I wasn't mourning over the dating relationship, I was mourning because I had hurt the heart of God, that I didn't do what the Holy Spirit instructed me to do. And yet all that time, God was wanting me to save two years of heartache. Two years of living after the flesh and not after the Spirit. You see what I mean? Man, the Holy Spirit has your best interests at heart. But for some reason, we take correction personally. We, sometimes we don't want to ask the Holy Spirit because I don't want him to take this away from me. He might call me to Africa or something or live in a hut somewhere. Guys, guys, the Holy Spirit knows you better than you know you. He knows what you like better than what you know you like because he put that like inside of you. And when I began to learn to trust him completely, excuse me, when I learned to, be, to trust him completely and yield to him, even when I didn't understand, I, oh my word, he began to take me down paths of righteousness for his namesake instead of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I was there because I went there. Come on, I'm talking to some guys in here, especially. Because Adam, you're in the garden, 
of Eden, which the Garden of Eden, by the way, is massive. Have you ever thought about it? From present day Ethiopia all the way to Iraq. That's 3,000 miles by car. It's a massive garden. And here's Adam in here with Eve standing in front of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they're not even supposed to touch. And a serpent is talking, and that's not odd. And the whole time Adam is standing there and he's not saying anything. I mean, Eve was at least deceived. Adam went knowingly. <laughs> I mean, I mean he, you know, and it reminds me of Proverbs 7 where it talks about the young man that drifts down to the corner where the prostitute lives. He knows exactly where he's going. We're destroyed for ignorance. Without a vision, people perish. And so I'm encouraged this morning to get a vision. Make no provision for the flesh. What does that mean? It means to cut off the things that activate the flesh in you and live by the Spirit. Turn on the Spirit of God. Some person might say, well, I just turned the television on so there's noise in the house because I live alone. Well, how about you turn on the Bible, the audio Bible, and now now you're not alone because a person has come into the house. The person of Jesus. I do that frequently. We, Nicole and I have a, we have a, a, a Bible app that's amazing. Okay. So the headline of scripture is this. The headline of scripture is not try, try harder. The headline of scripture is yield. Yield to him. Amen. So, because here's what will happen. Suddenly, you'll begin to bear different fruit. How do we know it's the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5.22 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy if people say you've lost your joy that might be a good red flag that you need to change some things in your life you don't need more prayer you don't need drugs you need the Holy Spirit peace and you got peace in your heart peace in your life oh my word you got you got long suffering patience you're patient kind good faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things are fruits of the Spirit. So if you're walking with the Spirit, guess what kind of fruit you're going to have in your life? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Glory to God. So did you get something out of that? I, I, I I don't know about you, but I I refuse to go back to living by the flesh anymore. I've been there. And all it does, all it produced in my life was death. Some people say, well, you know, I don't believe that you can open the door to the devil. Well, interesting because Job had a hedge of protection around him. And suddenly there wasn't one. I believe fear opened paved the way for that because Job said what I feared the most has come upon me what I've dreaded more than anything has happened to me so so I know that we can open doors by feeding the flesh you don't want the cat to stay around your house anymore don't feed the cat people are trying to oh, I wish that cat would leave and they keep putting out food for it it's not going to leave as long as you're putting out food for the cat 
you know? If you know certain movies activate things in you personally, or they pull you in a direction. If you know, if you come to the realization, understand that social media can depress you at times because you see other people or people that, you know, maybe you used to be together with, you're not together with them anymore, or they unfriended you or whatever, you know, that could, people let that ruin their day. That's living according to the flesh. But if I'm living according to the spirit, I, I'm not so concerned with whether, what you say about me. I'm more concerned with what he says about me. People ask me, do you ever get discouraged by numbers at the church? I say, no, because I'm interested in one person coming. <laughs> if he didn't come, it's, there's no point in the rest of us coming. We need him to show up, amen? So let me pray over you, and then, uh, then we're going to receive offering and, and dismiss. Thank you, Father. Man, would you close your eyes all around the room? I'm not going to give a, an altar call per se or have you come. I just want to see a raise of hands. How many of you have been dealing with this? And, and that's you. And you say, I'm making a declaration today that that's, I'm changing. I'm no longer going to live by the flesh. I'm going to live by the spirit. If that's you, would you raise your hand all around the room? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you. Lord, you see those who raised their hands. You see those who didn't, who wish they had. You see those whose heart needs to change. I thank you, Father, for ministering to every person here. God, I think, I pray that we would move out of, we decide to move from Romans 7 into Romans 8 to live according to the Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that we live free when we live that way because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who walk according to the Spirit. So Lord, we thank you that you're with us and that you reveal things in our lives that are taking us down wrong paths. And Lord, that because we see that, we're making quality decisions to walk away from that and to walk with you, our standby. Thank you, Father, for every person here. Lord, empower them to live according to your plan and your will. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen.